Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, patriots of all ages, yes, it is a day to celebrate, to be sure. Welcome to In Black and Right. We are the new definition of color commentary, and I am Jerry Brooks, your baby-faced assassin for free speech, for freedom of thought, because groupthink just doesn't cut it anymore. And it is a great day to celebrate. Because, ladies and gentlemen, freedom is back in style. And I am very, very happy, and millions of other Americans are happy as well. Now, today being Tuesday, this if you are traveling anywhere in the country on airplanes, on Amtrak trains, Greyhound buses, whatever, this is a great day because you literally can breathe free. The mask mandate is gone. Yay. This is a substantial victory in the great mandate rebellion. Substantial victory. Yesterday in Florida, God, I love this state, a federal judge took the CDC mandate and absolutely overturned it shot it down in flames, and turned it into a smoldering pile of ash. And I, for one, am glad. Two and over two long, annoying years dealing with masked Nazis, COVID crazies, Karens on airplanes, and God knows where else, driving people crazy. I mean, people becoming literally deranged and unhinged over a stupid piece of face cloth, which really didn't work all that great anyway. Somehow becoming victims of Fauci fear porn and led them to just abnormal, unhinged states. Oh my lord. And, and, today, and yesterday it was declared over and Done. Yay. And to celebrate, I just got to take a minute and just celebrate right here. Hang on, y'all. Hit it. Yes, my friends. Yes, a little Ren and Stimpy to just start off the day. This is definitely something that is worth celebrating. Happy, happy, joy, joy to all of you who are traveling today, who are just enjoying life today. We're one step closer to getting life back here in the United States, back to the way it was where you had freedom, you had options, 
you had liberty and choices. But as much as I am happy over this major victory in the Great Mandate Rebellion, and I don't want to be a wet blanket, but we're the war isn't over. And I don't want us to make the classic mistake that conservatives tend to make and to sit on our laurels because we can't afford to. We can't because there are kids across the country right now who are trapped in school districts with people and school boards and school administrators who are nothing more than control freaks, mass Nazis who think that somehow they're following the quote-unquote science. What they are following is a twisted and incredibly twisted biomedical security state agenda and all it's doing is messing up kids. It's part of the war on kids and families. And schools, far too many school districts, are the battleground. So please, if you live in a school district where you have kids who are having to be masked in order to have classes in person, the war ain't over for you. It's not. And I, and I hate saying that. I truly hate saying that because the kids are the ones who are the biggest losers in this. I mean, look what's happened in two years. The kids are not, this is not a victimless mess. The kids have suffered most, I believe, than any other demograph, age demographic in the country. Uh, pardon me a moment. Yes, they have. Kids have just been horribly affected in ways that I just, it makes my heart break, even though I don't have kids of my own. Kids who have had to go through counseling, who have to take medication, uh, antidepressants, anti-anxiety medication, even to the point where kids have gotten so dang isolated, some of these kids have committed suicide as young as 10 years old. That's the tragedy. And say, like, oh, we're doing it for the kids. And teachers unions say, oh, you're, it, with the hyperbole and all the craziness, those people, and I'm not saying all teachers, but teachers unions, oh yeah, you're definitely spawns of Satan. Because y'all have gotten into some really sick stuff. I mean, really sick stuff. And I'm not going to take it back. You can get mad at me if you want. You can send all the hate mail. You can do whatever the heck you want. But nope, I'm not gonna. Because you don't care about the freaking kids. You only care about your freaking selves, you narcissist. Your, your collective bargaining agreements. Your control over Democrats. Because they want your endorsement. They want your money. And, you know, and, you, and they definitely want your votes. Forget that nonsense. So as much as I really want to stay upbeat and positive and just say, hey, great, fantastic, because now I can actually travel the country and not have to worry about wearing a stupid mask. It's now mask optional. 
which is really the way it should have been in the first dang place. Oh my goodness. And and what really and of course in typical way out in left field predictable sixth style uh, the judge in the case who ruled on this, uh, Catherine Mizell, uh, who actually is a Trump appointee, and <laughs> and this ought to be a lesson, conservatives, when you got a president who's actually taking care of these judicial appointments, this is how it pays off. Not in the sense of judicial activism, but... For heaven's sakes, this could have gone very easily in the opposite direction. Very easily. But, of course, when Judge Mizell yesterday came out with her ruling, it, the mainstream media, the, the leftist trolls, the authoritarians just came out and just went wacko on her and just got all kinds of mean. So, yeah, but that's not really a surprise. Excuse me. But yeah, it's uh it's crazy. You know, but yay, thank you. Thank you, thank you, Judge Mizell. Because you've now restored freedom. And the and Judge Mizell's uh decision making was quite rational. Now, the part of the reason why she, uh, Judge Mizell, made her uh, decision was based upon three very real things. First of all, Judge Mizell ruled that the CDC had exceeded its authority. Hmm, has the CDC done this before? Why, yes, it has. In the foreclosure and eviction moratorium the cdc said not anybody else the cdc which everybody with half a brain knew that they this was well beyond their purview but they did it anyway and finally the u.s supreme court said hey stop stop this it's beyond your <clears throat> it's beyond your authority but they didn't stop, and they kept going for a while until the U.S. Supreme Court said, uh, Yo, we told you you had exceeded your authority. You mind stopping? So, yeah. So, that was definitely press, bad precedent right there that they had set. Number two. Uh, what the second uh, reasoning behind Judge Mizell's ruling is that the CDC never allowed for any time for public comment. True. This is absolutely true. Nobody in the public had a chance to say anything. This is our mandate. You better follow it. Boom. End of story. No time for com public comment, congressional oversight, or anything like that. So that was, you know, okay. And Third, uh, the third part, which was probably the best part, the CDC never explained adequately the decisions it made. And that too is true. It was just, well, 
well, this is this is what we found. We're going with it, and never got into detail. And Walensky, whenever she would go before any type of congressional oversight, she didn't bother to explain herself either in any type of uh, detailed situation as to why she, why the CDC did what it did. Besides. Uh, the CDC's ever so slightly sketchy relationship with teachers unions came out as far as developing policy for kids and getting back into schools and like and why were teachers unions even dealing with the CDC in the first place? I'm like there's one there's a there's an alliance that's more than a little sketchy right there. So yeah, there were some real reasons, not just because, you know, okay, you know, I'm a Trump appointee, and it's like, no, I'm going to overturn this. No, there were real reasons, and the CDC, and it's the CDC's own dang fault for multiple times exceeding its authority. Unfortunately, it took two years of this nonsense and crap to finally get this to a place where it's like, well, it's mask optional. And some people will do that, you know, but there's a hell of a lot of people who aren't. They were tired of it to begin with. They've either had COVID before and recovered from it or whatever. I mean, hell, myself, two plus years of this nonsense and the wor- and, and having multiple I mean, multiple comorbidities that apparently made me, as a black man, I mean, being a minority, having a heart condition, being a diabetic, and having had strokes, I mean, I was pretty much, you know, put the X over me because I'm a dead man. No. In two plus years of this nonsense, I have the worst thing I've had was a cold. That's it. No fever, no COVID symptoms, no hospitalization because of COVID at all. And I mean, that I can only attribute that to the grace and mercy of God. That's just how that worked. But I just refused to be, well, to pander to other people's paranoia. And so, yes, when I have opportunities to travel, if I have to fly, I'm so glad I don't have to wear a dang mask at the airport or on the plane. Yay, happy. Woohoo! I am so happy over that. But there's still plenty. Uh, there's still plenty out there uh, that we still have. There's still work to do. There's definitely still work to do, my friends. So, this makes me just uh, I'm just happy I'm just happy that's all and I'm happy for the millions of other Americans who no longer have to put up with this crap at airports or anything else because it's tough enough the TSA has plenty of other security threats to deal with and now you know then of course now you have to be like hall monitor mask Nazi all rolled up into one nah forget about it it's just not worth it well let's see Uh, what else is on 
today's agenda. Oh, yes, my friends. Let's not forget another impending huge problem that's coming. Title 42 is set to expire on May the 23rd, which means that in, in the summer of 2020, it was the summer of BLM Antifa pretty much tearing up American cities, causing billions of dollars worth of property damage, hurting people, and actually killing people. This whole January 6th thing, it's like, it's so overblown, overplayed. I mean, it's pathetic political theater. I mean, I can set my watch by it. It's that bad. But a real, a real problem. The summer of 2022 is set to be the invasion of America. A literal invasion. It's bad enough now. It is bad enough now. We have had over 1 million encounters at the border. Over 1 million since 2021. And that's crazy. Now, you get rid of Title 42, boom! It is the absolute, it was, it's the absolute, yeah. If you, if you think it's bad now, wait till Title 42 disappears. And I remind you of this because the mainstream media has been playing all kinds of, you know, oh, here, you know, look at the Ukraine, look at the Ukraine, look at the Ukraine, forget the southern border, look at the Ukraine, look at the Ukraine. No, folks, uh-uh, forget the Ukraine. Keep your eye on the southern border because the mainstream media will not do its job. They will not tell you the truth. You're going to have to find other sources uh, of information to really learn what's going on at the border. And there are some great, great news sites. Uh, I mean, you can go to Newsmax, The Epic Times, Just the News, which is John Solomon's website. John Solomon is an outstanding investigative reporter, a real reporter. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff. And yes, you can actually find a lot of this. Uh, we have at inblackandright.net, my website. Just simply go to the link section. There are all kinds of great, uh, great websites that will give you news on this. But what's really blowing my mind about a lot of this, it's said that politics makes strange bedfellows. And now you have <laughs> Senate Democrat hopefuls along with incumbents who are really stinking vulnerable right now. And I'm talking Mark Kelly in Arizona and Cortez Masto in Nevada. Essentially border states with Democrats and who have large Hispanic populations. I have said this before, time after time after time. You want, and, and I've lived in Arizona, I've lived in Nevada, it's a mess and it's going it's a mess now you get rid of title 42 it's going to be even bigger now as far as texas goes i really don't understand what's going on with governor abbott i really don't know because right now you've got 
you even have the Border Patrol Union and its president, Brandon Judd, calling on Governor Abbott to declare an invasion, use his constitutional powers as a governor under Article 1, Section 10, and call it an invasion and use what's at his disposal as governor. But I just don't get it. And they don't get it either. What's the problem? I mean, yes, Gov Abbott is running for re-election against Beto O'Rourke, and that dude uh, <laughs> is a joke and a very poor one and a very cruel one. Uh, if he should now all of a sudden, Mr. I'm going to take your guns in a state like Texas, oh yeah, that's really going to go over big. So now all of a sudden he wants to sound like Mr. Second Amendment. <laughs> uh, Beto, uh, talk about cultural appropriation here. Uh, Beto, you ding dong, you really think the people of Texas are that stupid? I mean, a lot of people in Texas moved from California, but your message isn't going to go over big, especially down in the Rio Grande Valley in South Texas, because they're already pissed. They're ticked off. And these are predominantly Hispanic communities. They're sick of it. And they're voting red. They're not voting blue. They're voting for America First Republicans. They're Trump voters. Oh, yeah. They, don't, they remember what happened under Trump. Their memories aren't that short. I mean, yeah, you're, the only thing you can really do, Beto, my boy, is just you know focus on places like Houston and Dallas-Fort Worth and some, San Antonio, these other blue cities. But as far as the state goes, don't hold your breath, especially in the Rio Grande Valley. Don't do it because you will be severely, and I do mean severely, disappointed. And you can speak all the Spanish you want, but they, they know what the deal is. So, interesting enough, just watching how many Democrats are joining with Republicans in opposing the end of Title 42. And to just, and to end it without any kind of a plan. Um, and I'm thinking to myself, this is going to be interesting to watch. Because if Biden, I mean, it's bad enough, a lot of these uh, Senate Democrats, especially uh, in these border states who are vulnerable, voting for Katanji Brown-Jackson to the Supreme Court, that's bad enough. But if they... If Title 42 lapses with no real counter to it, no plan to make up for it, you know, get ready. It's like you're, you're, you're going to watch the bloodbath at the border, politi essentially politically, and the second part is going to, the invasion is going to happen in the summer, and the political bloodbath is going to happen in November. It is. I, I mean, I can see this. I can totally see this. The unfortunate part about a lot of this is some of the Republicans' reactions, some of the rhinos. I mean, that yes, the U.S. Chamber of Commerce type Republicans 
who have seemed to have no problem with the concept of cheap labor, but hey, national security? <laughs> Forget it. You know, we, we don't want to deal with that. I mean, they just sort of leave that out or they just pay lip service to it. So yeah, folks, it's going to be pretty nuts to see what happens over the next, oh, I guess, few weeks because uh, it's coming. It is absolutely coming. And, and to basically break with the Biden administration when they want open borders, <laughs> oh, the timing couldn't have been more beautiful in an election year when Democrats are expected to take a humongous bloodbath, especially in the House, politically, it's a political bloodbath. There's not going to be shooting. So, so get over it. Now, I'm sure there would be some leftists who wouldn't mind it, and the media sure as hell wouldn't, because it would only fuel their already false, twisted narrative. But yeah, it's coming. It, it's coming. So yes, the Senate Democrats are definitely going to have to do something to try to save their ever-loving hides politically because Title 42 will be essentially their political version of Waterloo. It would be because people are tired of it. The border states are tired of it. And especially in states like Arizona and Texas, that have gubernatorial elections this year. Now, in, in Arizona, we've got Carrie Lake, Republican, uh, former journalist. Uh, I actually saw some of uh, her work when I lived in Phoenix. So she knows what the deal is with the media. She knows. And she, had a, she has enough conscience, enough of a sense of propriety to finally just say, I'm done with this. I'm totally done with this. And so now she's running for governor. She's doing incredibly well on the polls. She has President Trump's endorsement. Uh, President Trump came out in Arizona earlier this year and did a rally for her. And she has already stated very clearly that she, upon becoming governor, her first day in office, she would declare the state of Arizona... A, um, an it would, she would declare an invasion under her powers as governor under Section 1, Article 10, oh, Article 1, Section 10 of the U.S. Constitution, and she would send the Arizona National Guard armed to protect the border and would use monies to help reinforce and finish that portion of the wall down there. So, folks, this is going to get interesting. I mean, it's I think it's interesting now, but it's going to get even more so as we get closer to the midterms. I mean, we're right in the middle of the primary season. And I can assure you the left is working incredibly hard to do whatever they can to mess up the America First MAGA candidates. They already have tried it with Madison Cawthorn in North Carolina. They're trying it now with Marjorie Taylor Greene in Georgia. And yeah, they're going to try to do everything they can, along with the help of a very compliant media, to essentially stop the MAGA train. And 
they're going to have one heck of a hard time doing it. They, they just are. The Megatrain has been picking up some serious steam. It was really funny watching the last Trump rally in my beloved home state of North Carolina. Right in the middle of the president's speech, there was an actual train that was going by and <laughs> and blew its whistle. I mean, I don't know if they... Yeah, I don't know if the conductor knew that President Trump was speaking, but I loved it. President President Trump loved it. I thought it was a little, uh, maybe a little prophetic. I don't know. I really don't know. But the 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 Trump train, the MAGA train, has been picking up a whole lot of speed, and especially when it came to the concept of election integrity. Oh, baby. This thing is anything but over, and they're still going at it. Because if you can't get 2020 fixed, 2022 is already going to have all kinds of problems. I mean, fraught with problems. So, yeah. So, that was kind of interesting how that's working. And, yes, yeah, so stay tuned, folks. There will be more on this whole issue of Title 42 uh, in the next weeks to come. But I want to end today with the most intriguing article. And I, I think it's a crack up in a way. And, uh, and kind of uh, antithetical. Uh, <laughs> and, and this is coming from just the news. And I think it's, I, and I read this at first and I thought, are they serious? I mean, is this goofball freaking serious? Well, the headline, Washington Post columnist and Council on Foreign Relations fellow and Pulitzer finalist calls for more censorship on social media. I had to kind of do a bit of a double take on that. And I said, wait a minute, a reporter with for one of the biggest mainstream media outlets in the country is calling for more censorship on social media and i just i, I just okay i gotta read this and i want to read a little bit of this as well but i will be putting this on the website uh this afternoon because unless you read it for yourself you probably wouldn't believe it and this has to deal with one of the of Washington Post columnist named Max Boot. Now, keep in mind, the Washington Post is owned by Jeff Bezos, billionaire, Mr. Amazon. And yet, it cracks me up when you hear this from this story from about Boot, and it cracks me up. Considering who Max Boots, Max Boots' boss is, so it's just I, I'm just I just gotta just read some of this. It's a it's a crack up, uh, and this is a quote in the story from Mr. Boot. I'm tired of hearing from Trump fans that I'm pro dictatorship because I don't want disinformation and conspiracy theories to be given free reign on social media. They're the ones who tried to overthrow the election and destroy our democracy. Okay, end quote. 
Okay, Mr. Boop. This is, you've just now explained why you're a moron. Now, you're talking about pushing in disinformation. You, you're pushing disinformation and you hate Trump people for doing it. And yet you just pushed forward one of the biggest freaking conspiracy theories out there. January 6th. I mean, are you are, are you knocking butts, buddy? Like you have just made yourself duplicitous just by opening your big freaking mouth. And, and it gets better. It does get better in this story. Uh, and it cracks me up. Uh, Boot, in a recent column, he, he entitled his recent column, Elon Musk is the last person who should take over Twitter. That is the title of Mr. Boot's recent article. I'm thinking, OMG, this is going to get funny. Now, Mr. Boot, the uh, arrogant little snot that he's become, he wrote on Twitter, which is really funny, last week, I am frightened by the impact on society and politics if Elon Musk acquires Twitter. He seems to believe that on social media anything goes. For democracy to survive, we need more content moderation, not less. Okay. Really. Again. Now, content moderation, not less. Excuse me, Mr. Boot, do you, do you realize who you work for? Do you realize who you work for? The Washington Post, one of the most scary and, oh my God, content moderation? Really? Just because you happen to be a quote-unquote newspaper, a respected newspaper? Nobody respects Anybody with half a brain doesn't respect your paper. And the fact that you were bought out by a billionaire like Jeff Bezos, and here you are being critical of another billionaire, Elon Musk, trying to buy out Twitter, a social media platform. I'm going, Mr. Boot, I mean, I'm not a mental health professional, I'm not a psychiatrist, but you are about as two-faced as I have ever seen in my freaking life. You, you work for a newspaper owned by one billionaire, and you're talking about a media, a media platform, a social media platform, that's being attempted to be bought by another billionaire, and... Jeff Bezos good, Elon Musk bad. Oh man, the duplicity is delicious if it wasn't so serious. So <laughs> I'm thinking to myself, oh my lord, this has got to be without a doubt the most self-important piece of crap that I have ever seen in my life. I mean, yes, serious self-importance issues. Because Max Boot is, frankly, needs a boot right in his butt or maybe a boot to the head because maybe it might reset his brain to thinking that, okay, wait a minute. I work for one billionaire who bought this newspaper, but I don't want this guy to 
Elon Musk, arguably the world's richest man, to buy Twitter. I'm going, okay. Anybody with half a brain would just go, what? Uh, what? Are, are you serious? This is this is a joke, right? No, Mr. Boot is... The scary part about Max Boot is he's probably not joking. Because this man has got ideas in his head that are so messed up that, I mean, it would take a psychiatrist quite a while to sort them out. And since he seems to... Mr. Boot doesn't believe that he's not being duplicitous, makes it that much harder because he is drowning in the river of the Nile, not necessarily the Potomac. But that's an entirely different story. But yes, so it so, and when I saw this, I thought, oh man, I, I'm just going to put the link up uh, on the website. You can read this for yourself and you, just, and, and you make up your own mind. Is this guy du duplicitous and nuts? Or is he got some sort of, oh, I don't know, some sort of twisted idea? You know, is he sort of being Jeff Bezos' spokesman as far as this is going on? Now, let me, for a moment, just declare. Now, some conservatives are thinking Elon Musk taking over Twitter is a good idea. But I say that with a... I say this with a caveat, and a major caveat. Now, Elon Musk can take his money and do whatever he wants with it. But keep in mind, he may not be the most free speech friendly, considering he's also the world's richest transhumanist, a man who wants to put computer chips in our brains, delving into all sorts of uh, artificial intelligence. Now, and I say that, I mean, I am pro-free speech, but I'm not quite willing to jump on the Elon Musk is a great guy bandwagon because this man, for all of his uh, brilliance, for all of his wealth, does have things about him that make me really stinking nervous. He does. So I'm not willing to be the typical conservative and just sort of jump on board. I have to really think about this. And so I'm reserving my ultimate judgment for, for later on. But th this is just kind of funny to me. How one media, how one media organization owned by a billionaire is getting mad or at least one of its paid minions is getting mad at another billionaire wanting to buy another uh, media organization. So you make up your mind, ladies and gentlemen. And with that in mind, and forgive me, I've been a little bit under the weather today, but on an important day like this, I did not want to sit out. So... Ah, have yourself a great Tuesday. You can always contact us via our email in blackandright at gmail.com or you can check out our website in blackandright.net. Uh, we have a 
new items, a new item in our online store, and more is forthcoming. And we're going to be in preparation probably later this week to start our uh, fundraiser for the In Black and White Lone Star Tour 2022 heading to CPAC in Texas in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex in August. So that's going to be a fun one. So for now, my friends, look, take care of yourselves. Have yourself a great rest of the day. And remember, patriots come in all colors.